0: Book one chapter nine Part two of the Lancashire Witches This Librivox recording is in the public domain Reading by Andy Minter The Lancashire Witches A Romance of Pendle Forest By William Harrison Ainsworth Book One Alison Device Chapter nine the two portraits in the banqueting-hall part two meanwhile mistress nutter having made her excuses to lady Asherton for not attending the supper walked down the hall with her daughter until such time as the dancing and pastimes should commence as will be readily supposed under the circumstances this part of the entertainment was distasteful to both of them but it could not be avoided without entering into explanations, which Mistress Nutter was unwilling to make, and she therefore counselled her daughter to act in all respects as if she were still Alison Device, and in no way connected with her. "'I shall take an early opportunity of announcing my intention to adopt you,' she said. "'Then you can act differently. Meantime, keep near me as much as you can.' say little to dorothy or richard Asherton, and prepare to retire early for this noisy and riotous assemblage is not much to my taste and i care not how soon i quit it Alison assented to what was said and stole a timid glance towards richard and dorothy but the latter who alone perceived it instantly averted her head in such a way as to make it evident she wished to shun her regards Slight as it was, this circumstance occasioned Alison much pain, for she could not conceive how she had offended her new-made friend, and it was some relief to encounter a party of acquaintances who had risen from the lower table at her approach, though did not presume to address her while she was with Mistress Nutter, but waited respectfully at a little distance. Alison, however, flew towards them. "'Ah, Susan! Ah, Nancy!' "'she cried, taking the hand of each. "'How glad I am to see you here! "'And you too, Lawrence Blackrod, and you, Phil Rawson, "'and you also, good Master Harrop! "'How happy you all look!' "'And we're reason, sweet Alison,' replied Blackrod. "'But we begin to be afeard we lost you, "'and that would have been a sore mishap to lose our May queen "'and the fittest May queen as ever danced in this hall, "'or any other in Lancashire.' "'We're drunk your health, sweet, Alizon,' added Phil. "'I'm wishing you may be as happy as you deserve, with the money ye heart, if any such lucky chap there be.' "'Thank you, thank you both,' replied Alison, blushing. "'And in return I cannot wish you better fortune, Philip, than to be united with the good girl near you, for I know her kindly disposition so well that I'm sure she'll make you happy.' "'I'm satisfied, Aunt myself.' replied Rawson, and I hope ere long she'll be missus of a little cotty and forest, and at your pace of visits, Alison, and see and judge for yourself how happy we be. Nance will make a rare forester's wife. Not a bit better than my Sookie, cried Lawrence Blackrod, you a get the start of me, Phil, for by the mess, the very same day as I see you wedded to Nancy Holt, shall find me united to Suki Worsley. "'And so, Alison, we are two cottages, in and Forest, to visit, instead of one.' "'And well pleased I shall be to visit them both,' she rejoined. At this moment Mistress Nutter came up. "'My good friends,' she said, "'as you appear to take so much interest in Alison, "'you may be glad to learn that it is my intention to adopt her as a daughter, "'having no child of my own.' and that though her position henceforth will be very different from what it has been, I am sure she will never forget her old friends.' "'Never, indeed, never!' cried Alizon earnestly. "'This is good news indeed!' cried Samson Harrop joyfully, while the others shared in his exclamation. "'We all rejoice in Alison's good fortune, and think she richly deserves it.' for my own part i was always sure she would have rare look, but i did not expect such luck as this there was to become a me cried jennet coming from behind a chair where she had hitherto concealed herself i will always take care of you replied Alison, stooping and kissing her do not promise more than you may be able to perform Alison, observed mistress nutter coldly and regarding the little girl with a look of disgust "'An ill-favoured little creature, with the demdike eyes!' "'And as ill-tempered as she is ill favoured, replied Samson Harrop. "'And though she cannot help being ugly, she might help being malicious.' "'Jennet gave him a bitter look. "'You do her injustice, Master Harrop,' said Alison. "'Poor little Jennet is quick-tempered, but not malevolent.' "'I can hate weel if I'm gonna love,' replied jennet and can recollect injuries if i forget kindnesses but donna trouble yourself about me sister i dunna envy you you look i duna want to be adopted by a grand dame i'm content as i am but how ye you getting on rather too fast lass mother's consent has to be axed, i suppose afore you leave her huh? there is little fear of her refusal observed mistress nutter yeah, i dunna know that rejoined janet if she were to refuse it wouldna surprise me nothing spiteful she could do would surprise me remarked harrop but how are you likely to know what your mother will think and do you forward little hussy i judge for circumstances replied the little girl mother has oftener said she going a weel spare alizon and mistress nutter may know that she can be very obstinate when she takes a whim into her head "'I do know it,' replied Mistress Nutter, "'and from my experience of her temper in former days "'I should be loath to have you near me, "'who seem to inherit her obstinacy.' "'With such misgivings, I wonder you wish to take Alison, madam,' said Janet, "'for she's as much of her mother about her as may, "'only she dunna choose to show it.' "'Peace, thou mischievous urchin!' cried Mistress Nutter, losing all patience. "'Shall I take her away?' said Harrop, seizing her hand. "'I do,' said Mistress Nutter. "'No, no, let her stay,' cried Alison quickly. "'I shall be miserable if she goes.' "'Oh, I'm quite ready to go,' said Janet, "'for I care little for such sights as this. "'But afore I leave I would fain say a few words to Mr. Potts, "'whom I see yonder.' "'What can you want with him, Janet?' cried Alison in surprise. "'Only to tell him what Brother Jem is gone to Pendle for to-night,' replied the little girl, with a significant and malicious look at Mistress Nutter. "'Ha!' muttered the lady. "'There is more malice in this little wasp than I thought, but I must rob it of its sting.' And while thus communing with herself, she fixed a searching look on Janet, and then, raising her hand quickly, waved it in her face. "'Oh!' cried the little girl, falling suddenly backwards. "'What's the matter?' demanded Alison, flying to her. I, "'I do not really know,' replied Janet. "'She's seized with a sudden faintness,' said Harrop. "'Better she should go home than at once. "'I'll find somebody to take her.' "'No, no, and sit down here,' said Janet. "'I shan't be better soon.' "'Come along, Alison,' said Mistress Nutter, apparently unconcerned at the circumstance." having confided the little girl, who was now recovered from the shock, to the care of Nancy Holt, Alison followed her mother. At this moment Sir Ralph, who had quitted the supper-table, clapped his hands loudly, thus giving the signal to the minstrels, who, having repaired to the gallery, now struck up a merry tune, and instantly the whole hall was in motion. Snatching up his wand, Samson Harrop hurried after Alison, beseeching her to return with him, and join a procession about to be formed by the revellers, and, of course, as May Queen and the most important personage in it, she could not refuse. Very short space sufficed the Morris dancers to find their partners, Robin Hood and the Foresters got into their places, the Hobby Horse curveted and capered, Friar Tuck resumed his drolleries, and even Jack Roby was so far recovered as to be able to get on his legs— though he could not walk very steadily. Marshaled by the gentleman-usher, and headed by Robin Hood and the May Queen, the procession marched round the hall, the minstrels playing merrily the while, and then drew up before the upper table, where a brief oration was pronounced by Sir Ralph. A shout that made the rafters ring again followed the address, after which a coranto was called for by the host, who, taking Mistress Nicholas Asherton by the hand, led her into the body of the hall, whither he was speedily followed by the other guests who had found partners in like manner before relating how the ball was opened a word must be bestowed upon mistress nicholas Asherton, whom i have neglected nearly as much as she was neglected by her unworthy spouse and i therefore hasten to repair the injustice by declaring that she was a very amiable and very, and very charming woman and danced delightfully and recollect ladies these were dancing days i mean days when knowledge of figures as well as skill was required more than twenty forgotten dances being in vogue the very names of which may surprise you as i recapitulate them there was the passamezzo a great favourite with queen elizabeth who used to foot it merrily when as you are told by grey the great lord keeper led the brawls and seals and maces danced before him the grave pavan, likewise a favourite with the Virgin Queen, and which I should like to see supersede the eternal polka, at almanacs and elsewhere, and in which five was the number of the music's feet, which still the dance did with five paces meet. The curanto, with its current traverses, sliding passages, and solemn tune, wherein, according to Sir John Davis, that dancer greatest praise hath won, who with the best order can all order shun. The Lavalter also delineated by the same knowing hand, where arm in arm two dancers are entwined, and whirl themselves with strict embracements bound, and still their feet an anapest do sound. Is not this very much like a waltz? Yes, ladies, you have been dancing the Lavalter of the sixteenth and seventeenth centuries without being aware of it but there was another waltz still older called the salteurs which i suspect answered to your favourite polka then there were brawls galliards paspies sarabands country dances of various figures cushion dances another dance i long to see revived kissing dances and rounds any of which are better than the objectionable polka thus you will see that there was infinite variety at least at the period under consideration and that you have rather retrograded than advanced in the saltatory art. But to return to the ball, Master's Nicholas Asherton, as I have said, excelled in the graceful accomplishment of dancing, and that was probably the reason why she had been selected for the Caranto by Sir Ralph, who knew the value of a good partner. By many persons she was accounted the handsomest woman in the room, and in dignity of carriage she was certainly unrivalled. This was precisely what Sir Ralph required, and, having executed a few current traverses and sliding passages with her, with a gravity and stateliness worthy of Sir Christopher Hatton himself, when graced by the hand of his sovereign mistress, he conducted her, amid the hushed admiration of the beholders, to a seat. Still the dance continued with unabated spirit. All those engaged in it, running up and down, or turning and winding with unlooked-for change, "'Alison's hand had been claimed by Richard Asherton, and next to the stately host and his dignified partner they came in for the largest share of admiration and attention. And if the untutored girl fell short of the accomplished dame in precision and skill, she made up for the want of them in natural grace and freedom of movement, for the display of which the coranto, with its frequent and impromptu changes, afforded ample opportunity.' Even Sir Ralph was struck with her extreme gracefulness, and pointed her out to Mistress Nicholas, who, unenvying and amiable, joined heartily in her praises. Overhearing what was said, Mistress Nutter thought it a fitting opportunity to announce her intention of adopting the young girl, and though Sir Ralph seemed a good deal surprised at the suddenness of the declaration, he raised no objection to the plan, but on the contrary applauded it but another person, by no means disposed to regard it in an equally favourable light, became acquainted with the intelligence at the same time. This was Master Potts, who instantly set his wits at work to discover its import. Ever on the alert, his little eyes, sharp as needles, had detected jennet among the rustic company, and he now made his way towards her, resolved, by dint of cross-questioning and otherwise, to extract all the information he possibly could from her. The dance-over, Richard and his partner wandered towards a more retired part of the hall. "'Why does your sister shun me?' inquired Alison, with a look of great distress. "'What can I have done to offend her? Whenever I regard her she averts her head, and as I approached her just now she moved away, making it evident she designed to avoid me.' If I could think myself in any way different from what I was this morning, when she treated me with such unbounded confidence and kindness, or accuse myself of any offence towards her even in thought, I could understand it. But as it is, her present coldness appears inexplicable and unreasonable, and gives me great pain. I would not forfeit her regard for worlds, and therefore beseech you to tell me what I have done amiss, that I may endeavour to repair it.' "'You have done nothing, nothing whatever, sweet girl,' replied Richard. "'It is only caprice on Dorothy's part, and except that it distresses you, her conduct, which you justly call unreasonable, does not deserve a moment's serious consideration.' "'Oh, no, you cannot deceive me thus,' cried Alison. "'She is too kind, too well judging to be capricious. Something must have occurred to make her change her opinion of me, though what it is I cannot conjecture.' "'I have gained much to-day, more than I had any right to expect. "'But if I have forfeited the good opinion of your sister, "'the loss of her friendship will counterbalance all the rest.' "'But you have not lost it, Alison,' replied Richard earnestly. "'Dorothy has got some strange notions into her head "'which only require to be combated. "'She does not like Mistress Nutter, "'and is piqued and displeased by the extraordinary interest "'which that lady displays towards you, that's all.' but why should she not like mistress nutter inquired alizon nay there's no accounting for fancies returned richard with a faint smile i do not attempt to defend her but simply offer the only excuse in my power for her conduct i am concerned to hear it said alizon sadly because henceforth i shall be so intimately connected with mistress nutter that this estrangement which i hoped only arose from some trivial cause and merely required a little explanation to be set aside may become widened and lasting owing everything to mistress nutter i must espouse her cause and if your sister like her not she likes not me in consequence and therefore we must continue divided but surely her dislike is a very recent date and cannot have any stronghold upon her "'For when she and Mistress Nutter met this morning, "'a very different feeling seemed to animate her.' "'So indeed it did,' replied Richard, "'visibly embarrassed and distressed. "'And since you have made me acquainted "'with the new tie and interest you have formed, "'I can only regret alluding to the circumstance.' "'That you may not misunderstand me,' said Alison, "'I will explain the extent of my obligations to Mistress Nutter, "'and then you will perceive how much I am bounden to her.' childless herself greatly interested in me and feeling for my unfortunate situation with infinite goodness of heart she has declared her intention of removing me from all chance of baneful influence from the family with whom i have hitherto been connected by adopting me as her daughter i should indeed rejoice at this said richard were it not that and he stopped gazing anxiously at her when at what cried Alison, alarmed by his looks. "'What do you mean?' "'Do not press me further,' he rejoined. "'I cannot answer you. Indeed, I have said too much already.' "'You have said too much or too little?' cried Alison. "'Speak, I implore you. What mean these dark hints which you throw out, and which, like shadows, elude all attempts to grasp them? Do not keep me in this state of suspense and agitation. Your looks speak more than your words. Oh, give your thoughts utterance!' "'I cannot,' replied Richard. "'I do not believe what I have heard, and therefore will not repeat it. It would only increase the mischief.' "'But, uh, tell me this. Was it indeed to remove you from the baneful influence of Elizabeth device that Mistress Nutter adopted you?' "'Other motives may have swayed her, and I have said they did so,' replied Alison. "'But that wish, no doubt, had great weight with her notwithstanding her abhorrence of the family she has kindly consented to use her best endeavours to preserve little jennet from further ill as well as to reclaim poor misguided elizabeth herself oh what a weight you have taken from my heart cried richard joyfully i will tell dorothy what you say and it will at once remove all her doubt and suspicion she will now be the same to you as ever and to mistress nutter "'I will not ask you what those doubts and suspicions were, "'since you so confidently promised me this, "'which is all I desire,' replied Alison, smiling. "'But any unfavourable opinions entertained of Mistress Nutter "'are wholly undeserved. "'Poor lady, she has endured many severe trials and sufferings, "'and whenever you learn the whole of her history "'she will, I am sure, have your sincere sympathy. "'You have certainly produced a complete revolution "'in my feelings towards her.' said Richard, and I shall not be easy till I have made a like convert of Dorothy. At this moment a loud clapping of hands was heard, and Nicholas was seen marching toward the centre of the hall, preceded by the minstrels, who had descended for the purpose from the gallery, and bearing in his arms a large red velvet cushion. As soon as the dancers had formed a wide circle round him, a very lively tune called Joan Sanderson— from which the dance about to be executed sometimes received its name, was struck up, and the squire, after a few preliminary flourishes, set down the cushion and gave chase to Dame Tetlow, who, threading her way rapidly through the ring, contrived to elude him. This chase, accompanied by music, excited shouts of laughter on all hands, and no one knew which most to admire—the eagerness of the squire, or the dexterity of the lesser dame in avoiding him." exhausted at length and baffled in his quest nicholas came to a halt before tom the piper and taking up the cushion thus preferred his complaint this dance it can no further go no further go whereupon the piper chanted in reply i pray you good sir why say you so why say you so amidst general laughter the squire tenderly and touchingly responded "'Because Dame Tetlow will not come to, will not come to!' Whereupon Tom the Piper, waxing furious, blew a shrill whistle, accompanied by an encouraging rattle of the tambourine, and, enforcing the mandate by two or three energetic stamps on the floor, delivered himself in this fashion, "'She must come to, and she shall come to, and she must come, whether she will or no!' Upon this, two of the prettiest female Morris dancers— taking each a hand of the blushing and overheated dame tetlow for she had found the chase rather warm work led her forward while the squire advancing very gallantly placed the cushion upon the ground before her and as she knelt down upon it bestowed a smacking kiss upon her lips this ceremony being performed amid much tittering and flustering accompanied by many knowing looks and some expressed wishes among the swains who hoped that their turn might come next dame tetlow arose and the squire seizing her hand they began to whisk round in a sort of jig singing merrily as they danced prinkum prankum is a fine dance and we shall dance it once again once again and we shall dance it once again and they made good the words too for on coming to a stop dame tetlow snatched up the cushion and ran in search of the squire who retreating among the surrounding damsels made sad havoc among them scarcely leaving a pretty pair of lips unvisited oh nicholas nicholas i am thoroughly ashamed of you and regret becoming your historian you get me into an infinitude of scrapes but there is a rod in pickle for you sir which shall be used with good effect presently tired of such unprofitable quest dame tetlow came to a sudden halt addressed the piper as nicholas had addressed him and receiving a like answer summoned the delinquent to come forward but as he knelt down on the cushion Instead of receiving the anticipated salute, he got a sound box on the ears. The dame actuated probably by some feeling of jealousy, taking advantage of the favourable opportunity afforded her of avenging herself. No one could refrain from laughing at this unexpected turn in affairs, and Nicholas, to do him justice, took it in excellent part, and laughed louder than the rest. Springing to his feet, he snatched the kiss denied him by the spirited dame and led her to obtain some refreshment at the lower table of which they both stood in need while the cushion being appropriated by other couples other boxes on the ear and kisses were interchanged leading to an infinitude of merriment long before this master potts had found his way to jennet and as he drew near affecting to notice her for the first time he made some remarks upon her not looking very well deed and i am never very well "'replied the little girl. "'But I know how to thank for my ailment, "'Your sister, most probably,' suggested the attorney. "'It must be very vexatious to see her so much noticed, "'and be yourself so much neglected. "'Very vexatious indeed, I quite feel for you.' "'I don't want your feeling,' replied Janet, "'nettled by the remark. "'But it wasn't my sister as made me ill.' "'Who was it then, my little dear?' said Potts. "'Dunna dear me!' "'retorted Jennet. "'You're too civil by half, as the lamb said to the wolf. "'But sin know it was Mistress Nutter.' "'Aha! Very good! I mean very bad!' cried Potts. "'What did Mistress Nutter do to you, my little dear? "'Don't be afraid of telling me. "'If I can do anything for you, I shall be very happy. "'Speak out, and don't be afraid.' "'Nep, for sure I'm no afraid,' returned Jennet. "'But what makes you so inquisitive?' you want to get somewhat out of me i can see that plain enough and as you stand there glinting at me wi a sly little iron, and you look like an old fox ready to snap up a chicken at the first opportunity your comparison is not very flattering jennet replied potts but i pass it by for the sake of its cleverness you are a sharp child jennet a very sharp child i remarked that from the first moment i saw you but in regard to mistress nutter she seems a very nice lady and must be a very kind lady since she has made up her mind to adopt your sister not that i am surprised at her determination for really alison is so superior so unlike nay ye would say interrupted jennet do be afear to speak out sir no no replied potts on the contrary there's a very great likeness between you i saw you were sisters at once "'I don't know which is the cleverest or prettiest, "'but perhaps you are the sharpest.' "'Yes, you are the sharpest, undoubtedly, Janet. "'If I wish to adopt any one—' "'Which, unfortunately, I am not in a condition to do, "'having only a bachelor's chambers in Chancery Lane, "'it should be you. Uh, "'But I can put you in a way of making your fortune, Janet. "'And that's the next best thing to adopting you. "'Indeed, it's much better in my case.' "'Make me fortune!' cried the little girl, pricking up her ears i should like to know how you would contrive that i'll show you how directly jennet returned potts pay particular attention to what i say and think it over carefully when you are by yourself you are quite aware that there is a great talk about witches in these pots "'And if I may speak it without offence to you, your own family came under the charge. "'There is your grandmother Demdike, for instance, a notorious witch. "'Your mother, Dame Device, suspected. Your brother, James, suspected. "'Well, sir,' cried Janet, eyeing him sharply, "'what does all this suspicion tend to?' "'You shall hear, my little dear.' "'returned Potts. "'It would not surprise me "'if every one of your family, "'including yourself, "'should be arrested, "'shut up in Lancaster Castle, "'and burnt for witches.' "'A lack of day, "'and this ye are co-making me fortune,' "'cried Jennet, derisively. "'Much obliged to you "'that I'd leave for me without the look. "'Listen to me,' "'pursued Potts, chuckling, "'and I will point out to you "'a way of escaping the general fate "'of your family, "'not merely of escaping it but of acquiring a large reward, and that is by giving evidence against them, by telling all you know. You understand, eh?' "'Yeah, I think I do understand,' replied Janet sullenly. "'And so this is your grand scheme, eh, sir?' "'This is my scheme, Jennet, said Potts, "'and a notable scheme it is, my little lass. Think it over. You're an admissible and indeed a desirable witness.' our sagacious sovereign has expressly observed that bairns i believe you call children bairns in lancashire jennet your uncouth dialect very much resembles the scottish language in in which our learned monarch writes as well as he speaks bairns says he or wives or never so defamed persons may of our law serve for sufficient witnesses and proofs "'for who but witches can be proofs, "'and so witnesses on the doings of witches?' "'But I'm no witch, I tell you, man," cried Janet angrily. "'But you're a witch's bairn, my little lassie,' replied Potts, "'and that's just as bad, and you'll grow up to be a witch in due time, "'that is, if your career be not cut short. "'I'm sure you must have witnessed some strange things "'when you visited your grandmother at Malkin Tower.' That, if I mistake not, is the name of her abode, and a fearful and witch-like name it is. You must have heard frequent mutterings and curses, spells, charms, and diabolical incantations, beheld strange and monstrous visions, listened to threats uttered against people, who have afterwards perished unaccountably. "'I've heard and seen nowt at sort,' replied Janet. "'But I have seen my mother threaten you.' "'Ah, oh, indeed!' <laughs> "'cried Potts, forcing a laugh, but looking rather blank afterwards. "'And how did she threaten me, Jennet, (laughs) eh? "'But no matter. Let that pass for the moment. "'As I was saying, you must have seen mysterious proceedings, "'both at Malkin Tower and your own house. "'A black gentleman with a club foot must visit you occasionally, "'and your mother must now and again say, once a week, "'take a fancy to riding on a broomstick.' are you quite sure you have never ridden on one yourself jennet and got whisked up the chimney without being aware of it it's the common witch conveyance and said to be very expeditious and agreeable but i can't vouch for it myself (laughs) possibly though you are rather young but possibly i say you may have attended a witch's sabbath and seen a huge he-goat with four horns on his head and a large tail seated in the midst of a large circle of devoted admirers if you have seen this and can recollect the names and faces of the assembly it would be highly important when i see it i shan't forget it replied jennet but i'm never quite so familiar with old scratters as you seem to suppose has it ever occurred to you that Alison might be addicted to these practices pursued potts and that she obtained her extraordinary and otherwise unaccountable beauty by some magical process some charm some diabolical unguent prepared as the lord keeper of the privy seals the singularly learned lord bacon declares from fat of unbaptized babes compounded with henbane hemlock mandrake moonshade and other terrible ingredients she could not be so beautiful without some such aid that shows how little you know about it replied jennet "Alizon is as good as she's pretty and dunny you think to wheedle me into saying out again her for you winna do it i would died rather than harm a hair of her head very praiseworthy indeed my little dear replied potts ironically i honour you for your sisterly affection but notwithstanding all this i cannot help thinking she has bewitched mistress nutter "'Like a mistress nutter has bewitched her,' replied Jennet. "'Ah, then you think mistress nutter is a witch, eh?' cried Potts eagerly. i no tell you what I think, mon,' rejoined Jennet doggedly. "'But hear me,' cried Potts, "'I have my own suspicions also—nay, more than suspicions. "'If you're so sure you don't want me,' said Jennet, "'but I want a witness.' "'Pursued Potts. "'And if you'll serve as one—' "'Will you give me?' said Jennet. "'Whatever you like,' rejoined Potts. "'Only name the sum. "'So you can prove the practice of witchcraft against Mistress Nutter, eh?' "'Janet nodded. Is it like to know why brother Jem is gone to Pendletonate?' she said. "'Very much indeed,' replied Potts, drawing still nearer to her. "'Very much indeed!' The little girl was about to speak, but on a sudden a sharp convulsion agitated her frame. Her utterance totally failed her, and she fell back in the seat, insensible. Very much startled, Potts flew in search of some restorative, and on doing so he observed Mistress Nutter moving away from this part of the hall. "'She has done it!' he cried. "'A piece of witchcraft before my very eyes! Has she killed the child?' no she breathes and her pulse beats though faintly she is only in a swoon but a deep and death-like one it would be useless to attempt to revive her she must come to in her own way or at the pleasure of the wicked woman who has thrown her into this condition i have now an assured witness in this girl but i must keep watch upon mistress nutter's further movements and he walked cautiously after her as richard had anticipated his explanation was perfectly satisfactory to dorothy and the young lady who had suffered greatly from the restraint she had imposed upon herself flew to Alison and poured forth excuses which were as readily accepted as they were freely made they were instantly as great friends as before and their brief estrangement only seemed to make them dearer to each other dorothy could not forgive herself and Alison assured her that there was nothing to be forgiven and so they took hands upon it, and promised to forget all that had passed. Richard stood by, delighted with the change, and wrapped in the contemplation of the object of his love, who, thus engaged, seemed to him more beautiful than he had ever beheld her. Towards the close of the evening, while all three were still together, Nicholas came up and took Richard aside. The squire looked flushed, and there was an undefined expression of alarm in his countenance. "'What is the matter?' inquired Richard, dreading to hear of some new calamity. "'Have you not noticed it, Dick?' said Nicholas, in a hollow tone. "'The portrait's gone!' "'What portrait?' exclaimed Richard, forgetting the previous circumstances. "'The portrait of a solder eaten,' returned Nicholas, becoming more sepulchral in his accents as he proceeded. "'It has vanished from the wall. See and believe! Who has taken it down?' cried Richard, remarking that the picture had certainly disappeared. "'No mortal land,' replied Nicholas. "'It has come down of itself. I knew what would happen, Dick. I told you. The fair Vortress gave me the Elandoi, the Wink. You would not believe me then, and now you see your mistake.' "'I see nothing but the bare wall,' said Richard. "'But you will see something anon, Dick.' Rejoined Nicholas, with a hollow laugh, and in a dismally deep tone, You will see, is all herself. I was foolhardy enough to invite her to dance the brawl with me. She smiled her assent, and winked at me thus, very significantly, I protest to you, and she will be as good as her word. Absurd! exclaimed Richard. Absurd, sayest thou. Thou art an infidel, and believest nothing, Dick, cried Nicholas. "'Dost thou not see that the picture is gone? "'She will be here presently. "'Ah! the brawls called for, the very dance I invited her to. "'She must be in the room now. "'I will go in search of her. "'Look out, Dick. "'Thou wilt behold the sight presently shall make thine hair stand on end.' And he moved away with a rapid but uncertain step. Uh, "'The potent wine has confused his brain.' said Richard, "'I must see that no mischance befalls him.' And, waving his hand to his sister, he followed the squire, who moved on, staring inquisitively into the countenance of every pretty damsel he encountered. Time had flown fleetly with Dorothy and Alison, who, accompanied with each other, had taken little note of its progress, and were surprised to find how quickly the hours had gone by. Meanwhile several dances had been performed— a morisco in which all the may-day revellers took part with the exception of the queen herself who notwithstanding the united treaties of robin hood and her gentleman usher could not be prevailed upon to join it a trench moor a sort of long country dance extending from top to bottom of the hall and in which the whole of the rustics stood up a galliard confined to the more important guests and in which both Alison and dorothy were included the former dancing of course with richard and the latter with one of her cousins, young Joseph Robinson, and a jig, quite promiscuous and unexclusive, and not the less merry on that account. In this way, what with the dances which were of some duration, the trench moor alone occupying more than an hour, and the necessary breathing-time between them, it was on the stroke of ten, without anybody being aware of it. Now this, though a very early hour for a modern party— being about the time when the first guest would arrive was a very late one even in fashionable assemblages at the period in question and the guests began to think of retiring when the brawl intended to wind up the entertainment was called The highest animation still prevailed throughout the company, for the generous host had taken care that the intervals between the dances should be well filled up with refreshments, and large bowls of spiced wines with burnt oranges and crabs floating in them were placed on the side-table, and liberally dispensed to all applicants. Thus all seemed destined to be brought to a happy conclusion. Throughout the evening Alison had been closely watched by Mistress Nutter, who remarked, with feelings akin to jealousy and distrust, the marked predilection exhibited by her for Richard and Dorothy Asherton, as well as her inattention to her own expressed injunctions in remaining constantly near them. Though secretly displeased by this, she put a calm face upon it, and neither remonstrated by word or look. Thus Alison, feeling encouraged in the course she had adopted, and prompted by her inclinations, soon forgot the interdiction she had received, mistress nutter even went so far in her duplicity as to promise dorothy that Alison should pay her an early visit at middleton though inwardly resolving no such visit should ever take place however she now received the proposal very graciously and made Alison quite happy in acceding to it i would fain have her go back with me to middleton when i return said dorothy but i fear you would not like to part with your newly adopted daughter so soon "'Neither would it be quite fair to rob you of her. "'But I shall soon hold you to your promise of an early visit.' "'Mistress Nutter replied by a bland smile, "'and then observed to Alison that it was time for them to retire, "'and that she had stayed on her account far later than she intended, "'a mark of consideration duly appreciated by Alison. "'Farewells for the night were then exchanged between the two girls, "'and Alison looked round to bid adieu to Richard.' but, unfortunately, at this very juncture he was engaged in pursuit of Nicholas. Before quitting the hall she made inquiries after Janet, and receiving for answer that she was still in the hall, but had fallen asleep, in a chair at one corner of the side-table, and could not be wakened, she instantly flew thither, and tried to rouse her, but in vain, when Mistress Nutter, coming up the next moment, merely touched her brow, and the little girl opened her eyes, and gazed about her with a bewildered look. "'She is unused to these late hours, poor child,' said Alison. "'Some one must be found to take her home.' "'You need not go far in search of a convoy,' said Potts, who had been hovering about and now stepped up. "'I am going to the dragon myself, and shall be happy to take charge of her.' "'You are over-officious, sir,' rejoined Mistress Nutter coldly. "'When we need your assistance we will ask it.' "'My own servant, Simon Blackadder, will see her safely home.' And at a sign from her, a tall fellow, with a dark, scowling countenance, came from among the other serving men, and, receiving his instructions from his mistress, seized Jennet's hand and strode off with her. During all this time, Mistress Nutter kept her eyes steadily fixed on the little girl, who spoke not a word, nor replied even by a gesture to Alison's affectionate good-night.' retaining her dazed look to the moment of quitting the hall i never saw her thus before said Alison. what can be the matter with her i think i could tell you rejoined potts glancing maliciously and significantly at mistress nutter the lady darted an awful and piercing look at him which seemed to produce much the same consequences as those experienced by jennet for his visage instantly elongated and he sank back in a chair oh dear he cried, putting his hand to his head. "'I am struck all of a heap. I feel a sudden qualm, a giddiness, a sort of, mm, don't know, howishness. Oh, there, some aquavita or, or imperial water, or cinnamon water, or whatever, reviving cordial may be at hand. I feel very ill, Oh, very ill indeed. Oh, oh, dear!' While his requirements were attended to, Mistress Nutter moved away with her daughter. But they had not proceeded far when they encountered Richard, who, having fortunately described them, came up to say good-night. The brawl, meanwhile, had commenced, and the dancers were whirling round giddily in every direction, somewhat like the couples in a grand polka danced after a very boisterous, romping and extravagant fashion. "'Who is Nicholas dancing with?' asked Mistress Nutter suddenly. "'Is he dancing with anyone?' rejoined Richard, looking amidst the crowd. "'Do you not see her?' said mistress nutter a very beautiful woman with flashing eyes they move so quickly that i can scarce discern her features but she is habited like a nun like a nun cried richard his blood growing chill in his veins tis she indeed then where is he yonder yonder whirling madly round replied mistress nutter i see him now said richard but he is alone "'He has lost his wits to dance in that strange manner by himself. "'How wild, too, is his gaze!' "'I tell you, he is dancing with a very beautiful woman in the habit of a nun,' said Mistress Nutter. "'Strange, I should never have remarked her before. "'No one in the room is to be compared with her in loveliness, not even Alison. "'Her eyes seem to flash fire, and she bounds like the wild roe.' "'Does she resemble the portrait of Isolde Heaton?' asked Richard, shuddering. "'She does, she does,' replied Mistress Nutter. "'See, she whirls past us now!' "'I can see no one but Nicholas,' cried Richard. "'Nor I,' added Alison, who shared in the young man's alarm. "'Are you sure you will behold that figure?' said Richard, drawing Mistress Nutter aside, and breathing the words in her ear. "'If so, it is a phantom, or he is in the power of the fiend. "'He was rash enough to invite that wicked votarous Isolde Heaton, "'condemned, it is said, to penal fires for her earthly enormities, "'to dance with him, and she has come.' "'Ha!' exclaimed Mistress Nutter. "'She will whirl him round till he expires,' cried Richard. "'I must free him at all hazards.' "'Stay,' said Mistress Nutter. "'It is I who have been deceived.' "'Now I look again, I see that Nicholas is alone.' "'But the but the nun's dress, the wondrous beauty, the flashing eyes,' cried Richard. "'You described it all exactly.' "'It was mere fancy,' said Mistress Nutter. "'I had just been looking at her portrait, and it dwelt in my mind, and created the image.' "'The portrait is gone!' cried Richard, pointing to the empty wall." Mistress Nutter looked confounded, and without a word more she took Alison, who was full of alarm and astonishment by the arm, and hurried her out of the hall. As they disappeared the young man flew towards Nicholas, whose extraordinary proceedings had excited general amazement. The other dancers had moved out of the way, so that free space was left for his mad gyrations. Greatly scandalised by the exhibition, which he looked upon as the effect of intoxication sir ralph called loudly to him to stop but he paid no attention to the summons but whirled on with momently increased velocity oversetting old adam whitworth gregory and dickon who severally ventured to place themselves in his path to enforce their master's injunctions until at last just as richard reached him he uttered a loud cry and fell to the ground insensible By Sir Ralph's command he was instantly lifted up and transported to his own chamber. This unexpected and extraordinary incident put an end to the ball, and the whole of the guests, after taking a respectful and grateful leave of the host, departed, not in most admired disorder, but full of wonder. By most persons the squire's fantastical vagaries, as they were termed, were traced to the vast quantity of wine he had drunk, That a few others shook their heads, and said he was evidently bewitched, and that Mother Chattox and Nance Redfern were at the bottom of it. As to the portrait of Isolde Heaton, it was found under the table, and it was said that Nicholas himself had pulled it down, but this he obstinately denied when afterwards taken to task for his indecorous behaviour, and to his dying day he asserted and believed that he had danced the brawl with Isolde Heaton, and never— he would say, had mortal man such a partner. From that night, the two portraits in the banqueting-hall were regarded with great awe by the inmates of the Abbey. End of chapter 9